1: Is somebody drinking a shake, Bonnie?
4: So crazy. You all are such a hoot. Uh, Seriously,
3: what is that noise? What noise? Okay, do you hear it now? (laughs) No, just don't move ever again. (laughs) That was... (laughs) Paula.
0: No.
1: Well, maybe it's one of us. We don't know at this point. Uh, You know, we just assumed it's you because, you know you're a repeat offender but it might not be you
0: because you you because even when you get on the phone it sounds like a junk collecting truck pulling up coming to you
1: live from our houses in Los Angeles, California it's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone your comedy field guide to life tonight parking lots. Someone designs them. Who is the Frank Lloyd Wright of parking garages? John Perrington is here with us tonight, and he's been designing parking lots for 25 years. They've been essential to American democracy, because without parking garages, Woodward and Bernstein would have no place to meet Deep Throat, and Nixon might never have gotten caught. Plus, we have an update on our vocabulary contest. Tony Anita Hull will clue us in on the gallimaufry of responses we got. There was nothing quotidian about it. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to make this show follow the conversational arrows in the direction of coherency, with our discussion eventually parking between the topical lines. And now, please welcome the woman whose conversational garage has no limits to the number of levels it rises to... Holla Poundstone!
0: Hey! Hey, you guys. Hey, Adam. And thanks so much to tonight's house band, nobody, Tim Crump of Sacramento on the piano.
1: Uh, Thanks, Tim. Tim.
0: Sounds great on the 88s, Tim. Yeah, it sounds terrific, Tim Crump from Sacramento. Thank you. The uh, frustration that I'm beginning to feel with the pod puppy, I can't even tell you.
1: Is the pod puppy still playing pranks on you?
0: She's doing a lot of pranks. She, lately now, she does this thing where she runs in the house and leads me to believe that Brian Cranston is in the alley. <laughs> and then I go out, all excited to see Brian Cranston, you know, all ready to say, uh, you know, I, I watch your show every night, all night on disc. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's never Brian. Sometimes there's nobody there. Sometimes okay. it's this neighbor who thinks it's weird that I keep calling him Brian.
2: Okay. Um
0: <laughs> And the other thing she does by the way is just she Wait. just goes outside and barks. And sometimes she's barking at people in the alley, sometimes she's barking at airplanes, and other times she's just barking. And I don't know how to train that out of her. So if there's anybody, any of our listeners, if okay. here's what I'm thinking might help. Right. If there was like a a platform, right, with a hole under it, and you could just, like, when she went to stand there to bark, you could just open the trap door and she would fall down into a big hole.
1: Yeah, that, you might not be able to get away with that um, as far as uh, animal uh, rights people would be concerned, but uh, because I think every animal has a right to not fall into a trap door, but Paula, let me just ask no, it you. No, um,
0: it would go from, like, woof woo 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 to... <laughs> yeah, I
1: I, I I get the sound. I've I've watched enough Roadrunner cartoons to know what it sounds like when a furry animal falls a great distance. Uh, but Paula, yeah.
0: let me let me ask you No, you know what it sounds like when a furry animal falls a great distance is
1: <laughs> That's what I mean. I I expect I expect you 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 would have the decency to give Mo a slide whistle so that she'd be ready for such a fall. Um, I, it's
0: not going to be a big distance. It's just going to be a big hole, you know, not like miles and miles down. Yeah,
1: but Paula, can we go back for a second? Yeah. because there's a, something kind of buried in the early part of your story that I feel like we need to drill down on a little bit, uh, much like a hole in one's backyard. How is Mo, your dog, the pod puppy, part Golden Retriever, part Newfoundland, leading you to believe that Brian Cranston is out there?
0: Just the look on her face. Okay, yeah, now, now, I... I, I, No, this is a very smart dog. You'd have to see the look on her face. One thing about my dog, Mo is she's nuanced. Um, She has huge Emmett Kelly lips, and there's something about, you know, the play in those lips that says... Uh, Brian Cranston's out there. I, I mean, the things she's done so far, you have to admit are remarkable for a dog. They are. She, she put ducks in my room one day. I woke up with what with like honey draped all over me one morning. She just does yeah, stuff.
1: no she's she's a prankster all right, but uh, yeah she turned a, the, I she turned
0: the the um uh, the treadmill on when I was recording and and then did it over and over again. She's a very clever dog that's that's clever stuff but I would I would avoid looking
1: too deeply into her facial expressions uh if I were if I were you um Paula let's uh, let's let's turn our conversation because you know we're off to a running start this week and we haven't yet checked in with our the two other um luminaries on the show um oh, I don't boy. know if our listeners can hear this but we have uh, suspected Bonnie burns of surreptitiously uh, sipping a milkshake um <laughs>
4: Yeah, there's a so I don't know I don't know if
1: that sound is translating onto the onto the uh, podcast, but I I can't not mention it because I'm hearing the sound of sipping in my ear. Uh, Let's first go up to the Simi Valley. Bonnie Burns, Paula's manager, our producer, our good friend, Captain Crinkle. How are you?
3: No, I was so falsely accused of making this noise. It's like there wasn't even anybody in contention. And yes, I'll admit that I was trying to quietly have a piece of steamed broccoli because it's like <laughs> 5 o'clock Pacific time, which is when we tape the podcast, and I haven't eaten all day. So so okay. you were having steamed broccoli for breakfast? Yum. No, it's what was <laughs> here. And here's what the noise was. You just tell me if this sounds like sipping a milkshake because I don't even think okay. the sipping of Go the on. milkshake was me. Okay. No, I don't hear anything at all.
1: I don't hear anything at all, Bonnie.
3: Okay. That's... I rest my case. Wait, well, now yeah, I as, do.
1: as you were resting your case, we were hearing that milkshake
0: sound. Okay, wait, which wait, leads... wait, wait.
3: This... Okay. This is a harder piece.
4: <laughs> okay. There's no okay. way
0: eating broccoli sounds like sipping a milkshake. That's ridiculous. You know, wait. Bonnie, is it, is it possible... And I'm just going to take a wild guess here. Is it possible that you were recreating a Mickey Rooney Judy Garland scene
3: where oh, you were like sipping the... milkshakes? Yeah, no. You guys jumped right in there blaming me. No. <laughs> you make a lot of noise. That's the thing. It's
0: not me. Okay, you know how when you go when we used to go to the theater and they would make the announcement <laughs> in the beginning They would say, you know, if you're going to open a a hard candy, please Mm -hmm. take the wrapper off now before the show begins. Well, in a lot of times when Bonnie would go to the theater, they'd say, you know, welcome to the theater. Uh, You know, we hope you enjoy the show. If you're going to open a hard candy, please take the wrapper off now. And then a second would go by and they'd go, Bonnie. There's a reason for that. (laughs) <laughs> um, okay.
3: Uh, <laughs> I think it's Tony Let's get to time. The reason we... Tony time. <laughs> no, we haven't even asked you what's new, Bonnie. Okay, but I think anything I say is anticlimactic to this. We got some laughs. No. I think we're Not
1: done. <laughs> You're putting on your producer hat and saying, stop talking to me. Well, I, okay. I guess I'll buy that for now. Um well, okay, Tony, just, in okay. just in case
3: I'm wrong. Just in case I'm wrong. But I'm okay. sure right. I was right. But I'll tell oh, yeah. you, like today, well, I didn't go to bed till 4.30 because I was up late doing something connected to my job. But, um, okay, wait. So wait. you making a Here we go. Here we go. So, you know, when you're on your stomach mm-hmm. and you're working on your computer and you're propped up on your elbows, that gives you a really bad backache. <laughs> Yeah. I can
0: I can say this uh with certainty. I've never done that before in my life.
3: Yeah, why would you do that? Uh I'm tired of sitting up. So I thought yeah, I'd lay it, down. Yeah, you know, a lot of
1: people <laughs> lay down with their laptops, but they generally put it on their chests um or, or their bellies as opposed to lying on their stomachs cuz that, that that's like that's Absolutely a recipe for, for getting a backache, or even more likely a neck ache.
0: Yeah, You know what I like to do? I like to put my laptop behind me on the chair and then, like, twist around. <laughs> it, You know, it can be a little painful at first, um, but eventually, once you've displaced some vertebrae, it's fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what, Paula? I found that, like, on, on hot days... When I like to go outside uh, in my backyard on the patio and put my laptop down and just uh, kind of sit on the on the you know burning paving stones naked, I often end up really un- really uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that can that can leave a mark. That kind of oh, it does. It does. Yeah. Why do you There's, think that is, Paula? I'm not certain, Adam. I, you know that we're gonna have to get a doctor on the show that we could interview and try to understand that yeah, you know, um, I don't even know what to say. I, I, it's just a weird <laughs> description of working. And I'm wondering if once you're to the point of laying on your stomach, with your yeah. with propping yourself up on your elbows, using a computer, I'm wondering if you're at your sharpest to even be doing the computer work and that maybe you would get more done by sleeping for a little while and then (laughs) returning to the work. (laughs) It's just an idea.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. All right, off to Studio City. Tony, you need a hole. How the hell are you?
4: Hi. Bonnie's such a tough act to follow.
0: (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah, she (laughs) kind of is. First of all, I can hear you. (laughs) Yeah, Tony, do you want to bring some Clydesdales into your apartment or something? Or maybe Clydesdales with tambourines tied to their tails? That might...
1: But T- Tony, we're happy to have you cuz you you're always uh, you know in the midst of our going around the horn like we do this this little oasis of relatable material. What's going on in your life?
4: <laughs> <laughs> um well, I went back down to San Clemente to see my friend Maria. That was fun. Did Which is your code distancing. for visiting the
1: Richard Nixon Library. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Um, I accidentally did almost drive into the fort down there, though, because I was looking for a Sonic, and there's one on the fort, but I didn't see that in the Google Maps, so I almost ended up on a, uh, on fort, what's down there? I can't remember, a fort of some sorts down there. There's a
1: lot of
0: forts down there. Fort Ord? Like
4: like a military place? Fort Ord? I don't, I can't, I don't remember. I want to Google it, but I won't.
0: Thank you. Okay.
4: You're welcome. Never
0: mind, Bonnie will do it. I'll Google it. <laughs> yeah, I knew it.
1: <laughs> it's not important. Yeah, There's Bonnie... a lot of forts down there, all the way from San Clemente down through San Diego. There's a ton of um, forts and bases and stuff like that. that, so it's one of those. I are you
0: almost... When you say forts, are you talking about like neighborhood kids? Did you go to that fort that's made of the blankets and the couch cushions? That's a great
3: fort. <laughs> that's I don't a good one. think that's what she's talking about. It's Camp Pendleton. Yes, Camp Is it
4: Pendleton. It's a Camp Pendleton? Not fort. There you go. It thank you Camp very Pendleton. much. It was Camp Pendleton. Sorry, it wasn't a fort. My bad. Thanks. Well, you know, <laughs> but Bo- you, you could Burns.
3: just ask
1: Bonnie Burns. You could always just drive right up to Camp Pendleton and if you want to go in, you just say uh, "Wahilo" and they let you in. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I want to go to I want refer- to go I want to see a little reference for our longtime listeners <laughs> um, yeah, it, yeah well, yes, and to all those people that went to camp with Bonnie because on Facebook, boy, they came out of the woodwork, didn't they? the people who went to camp with Bonnie?
1: Oh yeah, they did, they really did they they were the ones who let us know that thatwahilo was not, in fact a Native American word, but a faux Native American word actually in a, a um a uh, an, an abbreviation of sorts, a portmanteau
3: uh of what what was it
4: work health love
1: work health love
3: work health love oh. there we go so meaningful
0: and
4: and I did learn that <laughs> the the women the the young women who go to those camps are slutty.
1: They're slutty. What? what? <laughs> are you talking about the fighting women of Camp Pendleton? Are you running down the American military? No,
4: of the Wohelo, like of the Wohelo camp. How do you know? I guess? S- how do you know they're slutty? <laughs> I, I read somewhere that Wohelo girls are known to be slutty. <laughs> You know That's where I did you read this? You, I,
0: I would question your sources on this. Yeah, where did you read that?
4: Um, I believe it was Urban Dictionary.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, you know it kind of it's kind of thing that you would expect to be a rumor started across the lake at the boys' camp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. the well, Wohelo girls are slutty. What? Like Bob says the Wohelo well, girls are slutty. <laughs> exactly,
1: Bonnie.
3: I was Bonnie, six. Bonnie, do you have any
1: recollection of this?
3: <laughs> I was you were six. Six? remember we then were shame making Shame on you. We were really? making flour on sticks. We how could they possibly be sled? No, you didn't make flour
0: on sticks. You no, put we, dough we, around a right. stick.
3: That's true. Oh my Sorry. God, you
0: can't follow a recipe.
3: Oh, I my was God.
0: <laughs> 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 so you read uh, Tony, I, instead of pour a cup of flour into a, a mixture you read make a cup of flour for the mixture <laughs> and so it can take days to make a pie uh, yeah well yeah. you know
1: those will hilo girls you know what they say about them they're always uh uh grinding the mill if you know what i mean
0: yeah adam answer the phone answer the phone what? answer, the, answer phone? the phone
1: really at this point yeah. sure yeah uh, why not uh hello
0: Hey, yeah, hey, Adam! It's just me, Mike, Boom Boom Boniface. Am, am I the hundredth caller?
1: Uh, no, Mike. You're caller number eighty-eight in our hundredth caller contest, and which seems to be going oh, on for a long so, time.
0: So close, man! So yeah. close. I just want to say, I, lo- I fucking love those wooly halo girls. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Mike?
0: You know, you know how the wooly halo girls are, don't you, Adam?
1: Uh no, Mike. why don't you tell me?
0: Yeah, come on, you ever go out in a canoe with a Wahilo girl? Oh <laughs> my god. It's hard it's hard to stay on top of the water with a Wahilo girl. Mike, can I ask you, you gotta, something? You gotta wear your life vest if you know what I mean. You gotta you gotta have both oars in the water. Mike in a canoe.
1: Mike Boom Boom Bonifit. What exactly do you yeah, think a Wahilo girl is?
0: What? Who do I think they are? What do you mean? What? What do you mean?
1: What's a Wohilo girl?
0: You know. You know how they are.
1: No, but what are they? What do, what do you mean, Wahila yeah, girl? You
0: know, you know how they make flour and wrap it around a stick? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> well,
1: I know an innuendo when I hear one, Mike, and uh, I want to thank you for calling uh, and really adding yeah, a lot I to wanna this I want to thank
0: show. you for saying quotidian earlier. Get it? Get it, quotidian? All right, uh, good talking to you. Uh, by Mike. Wow, that, Bye, was, a,
1: that was a particularly boy, that guy, nice that call from Mike, from Mike. Yeah. At I, least know, he didn't call you uh, that name this time, which I appreciate.
0: Uh, <laughs> Adam, answer the phone! Answer what? the phone! <laughs> oh, good
1: God. I kind of see where this is going, but hello?
0: Hey, Adam! It's what? me, Mike bum bum Am I the 100th caller?
1: No, you're caller number 89, Mike, although i have hesitant to count that one. What's up?
0: Oh, yeah, that's I just, you know, I feel terrible. I hung up. I forgot to say something. What's that? I don't know how you work with that Bounce. She is such a bitch! Hey now, hey, now, Mike, come on. That's
1: out of You called back to say that thing that I tell you not to say?
0: Oh, I felt terrible. I forgot. I forgot. How can I forget oh, that? God damn bitch. it, Mike. Okay. All right, I'll talk to you later. Uh, good good talking to you, man. Quotidian. Quotidian. <laughs> well, <Whoa>, hello. Ho, 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 ho!
1: Oh, my God. Uh, Paula, do we have anything else going on tonight, or can we just kind of proceed
0: smoothly along? Oh, Adam, I have an auction item. Um, You do not. I'm telling you I do. Uh, These unused gloves are the forgotten... Protest gloves. This is what I have to auction today. These are the forgotten protest gloves of John Carlos. At the <laughs> Olympic Games in Mexico City in 1968, 200 meter sprint gold medal recipient American Tommy Smith raised his black gloved right fist in a sign of black power, and 200 meter sprint bronze medal winner American John Carlos raised his black gloved left fist in a sign of black power. Both gloves belonged to Tommy Smith, but John Carlos also had a pair of gloves that weren't used. He accidentally left them back at the Olympic Village when he ran out of his room and into the pages of history. These gloves represent peacefully standing up for human rights, opportunity, and dignity. And I have them right here, ready to take uh, you guys' uh, email bids um and and in the meantime, Adam, by the way, I keep hearing the um the milkshake the
1: mil- the uh, mil- the phantom milkshake continues yeah no, this, is like a,
0: this is like a scooby doo episode um <coughs> Adam, I have a word I'm sorry to have to break up the milkshake discussion, but I have a word um okay, okay here it is it's little uh, uh, lig- lugubrious. 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 It, means, it means sad and dismal. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. My dog Mo stands at the back door with a spitty tennis ball and a lugubrious look. It's, it's a great word. Um, it is and, a great and, word, and it's, it's and a great use of it
1: right there, Paula.
0: I would like to induct lugubrious into my vocabulary song uh, while I reach for my. Um, Glockenspiel, Bonnie, why don't you just keep uh sipping that drink?
3: (laughs) Here. I'll I'll eat some more. This is gonna be,
1: ladies and gentlemen, uh the the vocabulary song played as a cantata for Glockenspiel and Milkshake.
0: (laughs) There it is, all right. This week's word is Lego beau shoot. This week's word is lugubrious. No, that's not right. This lugubrious. This, no, it's lugubrious. This week this week's word is <laughs> lugubrious. I got it. It's an adjective that means yeah. dismal and sad, like when ducks poop on everything you had. Last week's word was pernicious. It's an adjective that means having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way. I'm spending more time on the computer every day. The week before that, we had impunity. It's a noun that means freedom from punishment or from the harmful results of an action. He fell off the roof and didn't end up in traction. Going back before that... We had phlegmatic. It's an adjective that means unemotional and calm. Oh, look, I just drove a nail through my palm. And not long ago, we had quotidian. It's an adjective that means happening every day, daily or ordinary, like a maner eating a blueberry. Let's never forget gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder, corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge? Who's hodgepodge. Podge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, 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 but I do, I do, I do, I do. Woo!
3: Yay! Paula.
1: Bravo! Encore. great. Whew, that was whew. that was fantastic, Paula. Oh, my,
0: you know, I would love to do an encore, but I don't think, I don't think I could pull off that kind of energy. And musicality, the uh, no. combination again.
1: And there's Woo. so much spontaneity. It's almost like jazz that um, I, I oh, can't imagine jazz. you going to try it again.
0: No, it is, yeah. it is jazz. Thank goodness we recorded it because you're not going to get that again. That was, yeah. That was no, unbelievable. No, no, no.
1: That's pretty much as good as it gets. All right, Woo. coming up, John Lennon said of New York City, we're crazy about this city. Los Angeles, that's just a big parking lot where you buy a hamburger for the trip to San Francisco. John Perrinton is here to defend the dignity and beauty of parking lots. That's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. You know...
0: On this day in unremarkable history, Jack LaLanne said, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, House fan, Tim Crump. Paula, we are back. Tim Crump from Sacramento, Adam. Uh... So, Paula, uh, have you been in a parking lot recently?
0: You know, I was. I, I was in a parking garage in Beverly Hills.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, and they had, you know, I've seen these before, but I never paid any attention, really. They right. had red and green lights to tell you um, if spaces were full, if there was a car in a the space, there was a red light hanging over it. And if they were empty, it had a green light hanging over it. And I got to say, that is brilliant. It, it makes convenient. it convenient. S- you know, because otherwise I end up doing that thing where I do a, a sharp right and almost plow into a Mini Cooper. Um, so Oh, yeah. I would, say, I would yeah. say the
1: parking spots are probably the leading cause of death of Mini Coopers.
0: Uh, yeah, just you don't see it there, you know, and you, and you hang that... Qu- and you're so excited and you want to get to it before somebody else gets and you just, you know, kaboom with the Mini Cooper. So I, I have to say, I noticed this improvement... In something that seemed destined to always be awful.
1: Well, um, you know, Paula, here's the thing. Somebody designed that feature and the whole parking lot itself. And tonight, we're pleased to have a man who has spent 25 years years designing parking lots. John Purrington is the president and CEO of Watry Design Incorporated, a specialized design firm that focuses on parking systems. John is a licensed engineer in eight states, although he practices in 10, don't tell anybody, and is responsible for the design of over 150 parking projects. Currently the chair of NPA's Parking Consultants Council, John was a contributor to the latest edition of the Dimensions of Parking. Please welcome John Perrington. so glad you're
0: here john
2: John. ah my pleasure i cannot wait to talk parking
0: all right boy you don't hear that phrase often um not really uh, um all right now john why did you choose um I mean, I'm happy that you did, but why did you choose parking structures? Why did you sort of forgo a more Frank Lloyd Wright direction of, you know, designing buildings or homes and go into parking lots?
2: Well, I was I was trained as a structural engineer as opposed to an architect. Gotcha. But where I went to school, there was a lot of multidiscipline projects that you worked on. So engineers would work with architects, et cetera. And by the time I graduated, I just wanted a job. So Uh I applied, and I was impressed by the founder of our company, uh, Nick Watcher. He was just gregarious, dynamic. I really liked him, and I kind of went to work for the company for him, not necessarily the type of buildings we design. And I've been there ever since. Yeah, I've been there ever since. There's an
1: enormous amount of extra stuff that goes into to to designing a parking garage, right? From a structural engineering point of view, right? Because there's there's uh it's not just the flow of traffic, but it's also the enormous weight I'd imagine.
2: Yeah. Um, so in California here, we deal with, deal with earthquakes quite a bit. Uh, and that's usually one of the bigger challenges that you have structurally. But I'll tell you one that is even a little more subtle, but it's even more important, and that is the, you know, how, how durable is this building gonna be? You know, you don't have windows and stuff enclosing, you know, the floors of this and, it really just expands and contracts daily and throughout the cycle of a year. And ultimately you need to design them to be able to withstand that. It's the long-term- What do you curve. mean
0: it expands and contracts?
2: Well, I like to explain it as this, concrete is a living thing. It literally expands and contracts with, you know, thermal changes, um, with weather changes, temperature oh, changes that. like that. Yeah. So. When you see older parking structures you know deteriorating and beat up, they have rough stains and dark corners you don't want to park in, it's it's really because they are exposed to the environment 24-7. So you have to design them to last uh-huh. being exposed to that type of environment. That's,
1: that's interesting. because and, and I guess we, we might be going a little too deep here, but I know that on bridges – um, they deal with that concrete expansion and contraction by putting those little uh, metal dividers in, so that there's room for it to happen. How do, is that what you're doing in a parking garage? Uh, sometimes,
2: if, if it's a real long building, we do right. put those expansion joints. You know, usually about every 400 feet. Um, and so it depends upon the length of the building, but we do incorporate those. Interesting.
0: Is that the thing that when you drive over it, it goes dunk, dunk?
2: In parking structures that I didn't design, yes. Oh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> why well, is that? Done.
2: Is that
0: like Thank frowned you, upon John. in the world, the parking structure, that doom doom sign? I can't tell you how
2: many times that sound has scared the shit
0: out of me. Um, either you because know, Paula,
2: of- it's, it's a simple switch. If you put in the right material from day one, it won't make that clanking noise.
0: Really? Uh, no, yeah. why don't other designers know that?
2: I think they do, but sometimes it comes down to cost, literally, you know, nitpicking every line item. Um, mm-hmm. That's usually what, what takes it out of the project. Um, so, usually it's cost driven.
0: Uh huh. So, the, either the money went into the pocket of the designer or it went into another feature of the uh, parking garage. Um, now, I know this is asking a lot. But is there any possible way that I could use my relationship with you um, to get an article published in the dimensions of parking?
2: Oh, boy, that's a, that's a tall order. I don't know, Paula. Um,
0: <laughs> is that a periodical? Is that like a magazine?
2: No, this is a, a book that gets published by a few different organizations. It's a joint publication in our industry. It comes out. Oh, boy. I don't know every 6, 8 years, 10 years. So Well, that gives me plenty of, of time
0: to write it, John. John, just say a no. The
2: topic, you know. No. Um, well, no. It Think of a topic. I'm contribution. It's, <laughs> well,
0: uh, my head is bubbling with topics for The Dimensions of Parking book. It is um, not. It is too. Uh, John, what did you write? It's you, you're a contributor to the latest edition of uh, The Dimensions of Parking. What did you write in there?
2: Well, I contributed to sections on cost of parking structures, the structural design of parking structures, and I had the pleasure of reviewing the other sections.
0: So what did you say you, about structural design? Did, did you write a paragraph that said, make it strong?
2: Uh, it's just higher watch design. That was the one <laughs> sentence in there. No, it, it's a full-blown <laughs> chapter on it. Lots of good tips and you know, tricks on how to do them right.
0: Did you talk about that doom doom noise in because I could do that in well, my that's entry. Your right there. yeah, That's yeah. what I'm thinking.
2: I um, just used uh, the dun too. Yeah, that's perfect. Dun-dun.
0: Yeah. Have you personally made any breakthroughs in parking lot design?
2: Oh boy. Um yeah, I, I would say probably the, the top one that comes to my mind is, you know, today's World, we're looking at a lot of discussion about going away from that passenger vehicle and everything is going to be autonomous. You won't, maybe you want a car, maybe you don't, but essentially you have these, you know, self-driving vehicles picking you up and dropping you off everywhere. And that has turned into a, a, a bigger discussion called adaptive reuse or repurposing the parking structures. How do you design a very utilitarian building that parks cars to be turned into office building later? So that's a yeah. big subject when it wow. comes to the whole conversation of autonomous vehicles and really what's going to happen in 10, 20 years, who really knows. But that that's probably been the biggest, I would say, you know, part of our industry where we've been on the on the sort of forefront and sort of created the breakthrough ideas.
1: Have you built any structures that are repurposable
2: yet? <laughs> Believe it or not, we haven't. Um, there are a few out there in the world, but it it ends up being A, how much do I want to pay now for flexibility in the future discussion Uh because we've seen where to adapting a small parking structure to be an office building in the future might cost you 20 or 30% more today on the base parking structure construction costs in order just to allow it to be adaptable. There's still plenty of costs.
0: American business in general, or Americans in general, we don't really think very far in the future, do
3: we?
2: Not far enough. Um, <laughs> and, and, yeah, and especially for, for certain, you know, construction industries. But that's definitely a, a breakthrough. I, I'm proud that we've been on the forefront of. So that's been been real fun to keep chasing that and watching this sort of transpire overall in the industry.
0: Wow. So so, do you have any ideas as to what these uh, parking garages would be converted into?
2: Yeah, you know, there are some real simple ideas, um, uh-huh. and, and it would tie into the whole autonomous vehicle, you know, discussion, is that right. whether it's, you know, Google or Apple or whomever, yeah. Amazon, whoever's running in this large autonomous fleet, they'll need to store them somewhere, have them serviced. Have them, you know, recharged and, Mm -hmm. you know, trash taken, out, all the good stuff. So we've been looking at different options of where it could easily be be converted into uh, a storage warehouse for autonomous vehicles down the road.
0: So you're thinking then, John, a person won't actually own that car. Just, I mean, that Apple or one of these god-awful companies will own it and you'll (laughs) just be served by it. Like it'll just pull up. This this self driving car will drive you someplace, and then it will return to its lair in this in this storage place. Is that what you mean?
2: Uh, basically, yeah. I mean, if you uh, there have been studies in San Francisco that you know the onslaught of Uber and Lyft uh, they have doubled vehicle traffic in the downtown San Francisco area. So if you imagine you know hundred thousand autonomous vehicles in the San Francisco Bay Area or two hundred thousand LA. You don't want them out the streets all the time, just zipping around, taking up, no. you know, basically mileage. So that was one of the ideas. Um, uh-huh. We've seen talks about converting it to conference centers on the lowest floor, you know, because you can get big open spaces, um, even even office or uh, commercial office building. So those are the, the different areas we've been testing and looking at to really see how well a parking garage would be converted in the future. Uh
0: uh-huh. um, All right. Here's an important question: Have you ever hit your side view mirror on those fucking poles in the parking garage? <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah.
1: And do you have you taken that experience with you into your designing of subsequent parking garages?
2: Oh, every day, and it also depends upon you know what you personally drive. That influences your you know uh, perspective on how well a garage is designed. I used to have a big old pickup. Well, now I've got a a Mini Cooper, so I can park a lot quicker in my Mini Cooper because it's a lot more maneuverable. So you have to think about all the different cars and impacts that will affect just the normal operation.
0: How many times have people smacked into the back of your Mini Cooper pulling into your parking space?
2: (laughs) Zero, because we laid it out well, so it's all Uh good.
0: Because you have a big big flag coming off the back of your Mini Cooper that says, I'm in here. (laughs) wow are you are you good at parking john
2: oh no uh those of us who design parking structures are the worst (laughs) we drive the wrong way on one-way drive aisles we rarely park in one spot we take up two because i'm always looking up i'm looking at the building not where i'm driving so that's that's my problem (laughs) i've got to deal with that's excellent
1: You know, Joni Mitchell said they paved paradise and put up a parking lot. But can a parking lot actually be a paradise? Stay tuned to find out. The Cat of the Week is Bug from Los Angeles, California.
0: You know, I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a a little bit like me because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it. But his name is Theo, and he has a really gravelly voice. So he'll... It's, it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression. Um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay, so earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber filled vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love? That's what I say. <laughs> what is not to love? as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCA
1: petinsurance.com slash Paula. That's ASPCA. We spell that A S P C A. Petinsurance.com slash Paula. And we're back with parking lot designer John Perrington. John, this stuff is fascinating. Um, John, I could talk
0: parking lots with you all day. Uh, 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 it, it really is fascinating. Can you make me like a person who could fit in over at Watry? Can you tell me some of the, you know, inside terms and jargon?
2: Oh, boy. Yeah, the the parking industry has their... Own complete you know volume of jargon, I think oh, tell a us real simple one yeah, one of the first ones that we learn is called efficiency, and that is a measurement of how many square feet of your building do you need to put together per parking space, so if you have a thousand cars and your efficiency is three hundred and twenty square foot per stall, your building would be three hundred twenty thousand square feet, so you can kind of. Think about the math, and but the efficiency is a simple one. Um, uh-huh. AP, APS. APS stands for Automated Parking System. And that's where you, instead of driving around, circulating, looking for a spot, and then doing a three-point turn to get in there, uh, you simply drive into a like a, a carport. You drive in there, you essentially get your car parked correctly. You know, there's sensors and guidelines to show you where to go. And once you, the lights are green, you exit your car and walk away. And it does it all for you. It's a mechanical system that will lift your car up, slide it, move it to a spot. And then when you're ready to come back, you can use an app on your phone, say, you know, three minutes, I'm ready for my car, and it'll come back down. So that's APS. So um, it's
0: like you're sort of valeting it.
2: Yeah, but it's all automatic. There's no people involved except you leaving your car in this little carport.
0: Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Wow. I kind of miss people in parking garages, by the way, sometimes. I hate it when I go to exit a parking garage and I can't make the ticket work in the pay machine or, hey, I have some sort of problem and there's nobody there to help me. I find that very frustrating.
2: And you have to push the button and then someone says, hello, about 30 seconds later. "Yeah, Yeah, I get it. I do. If they do that. well. One thing that's been interesting with, with COVID-19 and the whole touchless concept is most of the industry is, is going to go there. They're going to move to touchless to where you can drive in, you'll either read your license plate or it'll scan something. You go park and when you leave, you can pay um, all touchless. In other words, you can have your credit card on file. So there, there's definitely been some changes in the industry uh, with COVID-19 impacting all of our lives too.
0: Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, John, have you ever lost your car in a parking lot?
2: Oh, boy. Yeah. It's Many the worst. Isn't it? You. It is absolutely the worst. Yep.
0: All right. So when you lost your car in the parking lot, why do you think that happened? What was missing? What was wrong with that parking lot that such a thing could happen to you, of all people?
2: Uh, yeah, it could have been my sobriety at the time. I was with a group of people. <laughs> but no. It's if, right. so if poorly <laughs> lit. If they're poorly lit, if there's yeah. not good signage to at least indicate, oh, you're on level two, zone E. That's usually when when you see that happen. Um, oh yeah. We actually have several garages where people can take a picture of a QR code, you know, on the nearest column, and it'll remind them where to go when they come back. Oh, that's great. Oh
0: wow. Huh. Yeah, I'll tell you. There's, I mean, there is just nothing more frustrating or very few things more frustrating than losing your car in a parking lot. You know, John, maybe.
1: I think being falsely imprisoned over a series of, of years is, is probably a, a good, more I frustrating thing. Yeah,
0: but I wouldn't, that's I, a good for, second. For me, that wouldn't fall into. I wouldn't describe that as frustrating. I, oh, I'd be downright peeved. No, that that's like tragic, and and it would make me very angry. Whereas, uh, to me, frustrating uh, is more. I'd be miffed. Well, yeah. You know, okay, now you're splitting hairs. I irked. Um, Irk, all right. Yeah,
1: I would find it irksome.
0: Yeah, it would be irksome. Um, so yeah, no, the fi- trying to find your car in the, in the parking lot thing, and and I have occasionally, I'm not proud of this, um, but told myself as I walked away, you know, I'm beside a gray car.
1: Oh, that's not a good method.
0: No, no, that doesn't, that does not work good at all. Um, All right, so, John, say I'm just out of school and uh, Watry decides to take me on and you're my mentor. How do you train me up? What are you going to tell me are the most important rules of parking lot design?
2: Oh, that's a good one. Um, You know, safety is one of the most important ones. Uh, and that involves having you know good lines of sight, whether you're driving your car to park it, or if you're now out of your car and you're walking to an elevator or stair, you know, being able to see cars circulate, and allowing cars to see pedestrians is really important. Um, oh. So safety, safety's big, and then you know the number or the, the first jargon I put out there, efficiency. You know, one of the keys to making these parking structures cost effective is, you know, tighten them up, having no wasted space, but uh-huh. still plenty of space for cars to circulate. You know, so those are some of the key things. And then we we touched on this earlier, but long-term durability is mm-hmm. really critical to the, you know, for an owner to really realize the value of their asset here and keep it in use. It's a key part of it as well. So safety just... You know, functionality and lines of sight and uh, long-term durability are probably some of the key important rules.
0: Because if you do lose your car in the parking lot and you can't find it for years, you don't want the parking lot to collapse before you finally make that clicking sound with your keys and hear your car call back to you plaintively.
2: You paid good money for that car. Heck no, you want that garage to last.
1: <laughs> now, now, John, um, we, we quoted the, the Joni Mitchell classic, they pay paradise and put up a parking lot. But you were telling us uh, during the break that there are ways that parking lots can be designed now where they're not necessarily unsightly or even sightly at all. You want
2: to talk about that for a second? I'd love to, yeah. And, and that really involves underground parking structures. We've done a lot of them. And essentially you know, on top of this parking structure that you enter and just simply go down below grade. We've seen, you know, playing fields, rec fields. Uh, As a matter of fact, we've done two of these below grade structures for Stanford University uh, alone. And it's all about, you know, maintaining and preserving that open space on their campus. Um, But, you know, when you go below grade with all your parking, you know, you gotta make sure that it's well lit. You know, the walls are painted a light color. And you don't have dark, dingy corners because that makes people feel unsafe. So it's a little bit different art to it. But we're seeing that a lot with, you know, institutions that want to preserve their open space. That's really the biggest reason for it.
0: Uh-huh. So are there places where there's the, like the parking and then there's a use for the building and then more parking?
2: Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's that's a really cool subject. We call them mixed-use parking structures. And we've done them with just about every, you know, stores, retail. Uh, As a matter of fact, oh, boy, about 10 years ago, we did one for uh, a medical center. And they were busting at the seams. They needed room for parking, but also they needed room for a surgery center. So we actually designed the first two floors uh, to be hospital service. In other words, the first floor was... parking above? Yeah, we had six levels of parking go above it. So we had to be... Real, real careful looking at vibrations and moving yeah. of the building and how it would affect the surgery center, and you don't that have to was... do that on every project, but it, this one turned out real cool. Sorry that about your the... nose, Miss
1: Johnson. A, a, a truck came by and parked.
0: Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> was the medical center that used to have the zigzag stitching on people's um, plastic surgery. I remember that place. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of people thought that
0: was like a, a an, an intentional design feature of the stitching, but it turned out it's because cars were driving in and going thunk thunk right during the surgery. Huh. Oh boy. You may <laughs> have
2: something there, Paula. You may have something there.
0: And and the thing is, you, you do get to a point sometimes when you're looking for a space that I do anyways, where I become less and less safe in my driving as I go along because I'm so frustrated that I, I start oh, yeah. to think, you know, what do I care if I get hit by a car? What do I care? I can't find a parking
2: space. Um, have you ever well, you reached know, that? It, it, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll share with you. So I, was, I was doing research for an article I did last year, and it was about... Human Wait a minute, condition. was it in, in an you're...
0: article in that in that book?
2: No, no, it wasn't. I thought you, you were just go, rubbing my, book, rubbing so. my yeah. face in it She's now, John. fixated
1: on it now, she gets obsessed. <laughs>
2: well, the style, I'll give you clip notes here, was basically that they were doing a study of people when they're in a parking spot, and then they back out and leave, okay? They did an average, of, okay, it takes 90 seconds, whatever, for the normal person. But when somebody's waiting for them, it takes another 30 seconds because Whoa. people get defensive. They get territorial, you know, think about it. It changed your whole kind of perception and your, your, your attitude. So there is something about a parking lot, you know, a psychology there really is. So oh, if you can make it a nicer, more amenable space, it hopefully um, reduces that anxiety.
0: Yeah. So people get in there and other people are waiting for them to pull out and they're like, no, no. I'm going to make a phone call. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah. you know, I'm going to check my to-do list. I'm going to take a little time. Yep. This is my parking space. <laughs> yep. And guess
2: what? If they, if they honk at you, you'll stay another 30 seconds because now oh, you're really down. Yeah. Yes, oh, they yeah. Yeah. yes, they will.
1: Yes, they will. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, John Perrington, thanks to you, we've learned a lot about uh, how to design a great parking lot. I'm ready to do one myself. But now we're going to take that information and we're going to run it through the old pounce Donator and see what it spits out.
0: Paula? Tim Crump, it's me, Paula. This is sounding fantastic, by the way. Thank you so much. If I can get a little background music, I'm going to tell you what I learned about parking garages. The hardest thing about designing a parking garage is that you have to build it to last through a time when we won't need parking garages. So with every design, the designer has to ask themselves, this is great for parking cars, but can it work as a ball pit or a whorehouse? Wahilo! (laughs) Parking lot designers have to think about the future, and it's a future, (laughs) frankly, I want no part of, when we won't even have our own cars will just get dropped off and picked up by self-driving cars owned by Jeff Bezos. And you really won't go out to eat so much as a drone will drop a single-use plastic bag full of probiotic beverages through the self-driving car's open sunroof. And if you wanna stay out an hour later, you have to call Jeff Bezos and say, Mr. Bezos, can't I stay out a little bit later? And if you keep the self-driving car waiting, it takes you over to a darkened corner of a parking garage and rolls over you a couple of times. The modern parking garage may end up as a clubhouse for off-duty self-driving cars, where they drink and compare war stories. Cooper, looks like you got your rear end smashed in. Yeah. A fucking Subaru plowed into me. I don't know how it didn't see me. I was yelling reserved, 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 as loud as I could, and it still just plowed into me. Love, huh? It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. (laughs) (laughs) He is the president and
1: CEO of Watchery Design Incorporated and has designed parking lots for 25 years. John Perrenton, thank you
0: so much for stopping by our show
1: and parking here for a while
0: oh john you were wonderful thank you so much
2: uh, it's been my pleasure you guys have both had a lot of fun and surprisingly Perfect interested sense. in parking
0: oh who who's not interested in parking we all are stuck doing it all the time <laughs> thank you so so Very much
2: true. thank you bye-bye
1: Coming up, we have an update on our vocabulary contest. Tony Anita Hull, our very own Tony Anita Hull, is here to make the exciting announcement that's coming up right after this. ¶¶ Fun fact, the letter Q is the only letter of the alphabet which does not appear in the name of a U.S. state. At least, not since they renamed Oklahoma. And now we take you live to French Trump's weekly press conference in progress.
2: Minister. Minister. President. Minister President. President.
0: Minister. Mr. President, Minister. 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 Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President,
2: Mr.
1: President,
0: you. Minister. you. Minister. Minister. you.
1: Gracias, Mr. President. Antonio Montoya with Telemundo. You said in a statement this week that you don't think of the United States as a developed country. How then, sir, are you defining developed?
0: You know, uh, Big breasts. Next question! Next question! Mr. President! Mr. President! Mr.
4: President! Yes, you're right. President. President. President.
3: Yes, yes. Uh, Karen von Carlson, OAN. Everything you do is so much better
0: than Obama, sir. Thank you, Karen. Do you have a question? Not really, sir. Next question. Next question.
2: Mr. President. Uh, uh, Mr. President. Mr. President. Yes, you right there? Mr. You, sir. Mr. Yes, sir. Yes, that's right, sir. There. Emmett Manning again, New York Newsday. Mr. President, so many news organizations have reported that you have called service members, veterans, and even military killed in service suckers and losers. What do you have to say about that?
0: Fake news. Fake news. No one loves the military more than moi. If the military was a woman, I would let her spank me with my tax returns and then fuck her like she was my next wife. Next question. Next question. And we're back. French Trump has his own mini podcast, the French Trump Weekly Press Conference. You can find it, well, at the same place you're listening to us. Oh, Adam, Adam, we, we yeah, just got yeah. an a, an email bid from Mark Zuckerberg with a $500 bid. Boy, you'd think he'd have enough to keep him busy taking down misinformation posted on Facebook by the White House, but I guess he recognized the value of these forgotten gloves. Um, John John Carlos says in his book, The John Carlos Story, the sports moment that changed the world, that in addition to their iconic Black Power pose atop the podiums at the 1968 Olympics, they had also removed their shoes to protest poverty, and they wore beads to protest lynchings. Carlos unzipped his jacket, which was against the rules of Olympic etiquette, uh, but he did so in support of all working people, Black and white. And we have... John Carlos's unused gloves uh, that Mark Zuckerberg has just made a $500 uh, uh, email bid on.
1: Right. It would be great if you could have gotten a hold of their socks because, you know, Paula, they didn't wear shoes, but they did wear socks.
0: Yeah. Well, they, they were wearing those socks, so I couldn't get. I mean, I don't right. know those how are long those they were. Prohibitively but,
1: expensive socks, I would imagine. <laughs> Yeah, um, I
0: don't know if Mark Zuckerberg could afford those socks. But uh, anyways, there it is. Uh, do you know, Adam, they were, John Carlos was 23 years old and, yeah. uh, and um, Jimmy Smith was 24 years old when they made that protest. Um, Carlos said in his book, he said, I looked at my feet in my high socks, the ones you were coveting, and thought about Mm -hmm. all the black poverty I'd seen from Harlem to East Texas. I fingered my beads and thought about the pictures I'd seen of the strange fruit swinging from the poplar trees of the South. Oh. These gloves represent something very, very important. Uh, and uh, and we have them for auction here. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg has made a $500 bid, so it's in play, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, it was, it was a different era, too. I mean, it was an era where civil rights problems were so extreme that athletes felt compelled during ceremonies around surrounding sporting events to stage some sort of a, a silent protest. Yeah, can you even imagine that taking place now? Uh, It was a different time. Anyway, Paula, uh, moving on, um, as I hope you will remember, and everybody else will, on episode 109, we did something really unique and fantastic. We presented a vocabulary word contest. What we did is, if the listener could find all of our weekly vocabulary words that you're familiar with in the vocabulary song that we had cleverly embedded in the episode... Um, then they would receive a Zoom call with me and Paula and
0: up to 100 of the winner's friends. And, you know, I have to confess that the contest challenge was a lot harder than we thought it would be. Yeah. When we planned it, we didn't start episode 109 with a plan of how many words we would use. We just announced the contest, and then all four of us, Tony, Bonnie, me, Adam, just had at it. Uh, yeah I, I, and um, and those words began to mount. Uh, so our producer and earthquake and cruise survivor Tony Anita Hull has been in charge of vetting the listener's submissions.
1: And and uh, yes, and we should mention future cruise non-survivor possibly. We're hearing, uh, but Tony Nita Hull, can you step up to the microphone because I understand that yes. you have an important and
4: exciting announcement
1: about our vocabulary contest. Tony Nita Hull, what's the announcement?
4: Yay, Tony! Oh, thank you, thank you. So people have gotten so so close, but there's still no winner to our vocabulary contest.
0: None. What, what an so- announcement! There is no winner. Oh, my God. I was on the edge of my seat. Me, too. The drum roll was
1: happening, and uh, wow. Whoa. No winner, huh? Yep. No
4: winner, so.
1: People have gotten really close, though, right, Tony?
4: 109. Really close. Like, just missed one. And you can only submit once. So if you haven't submitted, go back and listen to episode 109 and find those words. The contest, you could be the winner.
1: To review, just name all the words, all the vocabulary song words that we use within the episode. Name them all, and you and a hundred friends can be on Zoom with me and Paula. That's pretty exciting, and apparently it hasn't happened yet. So that's episode 109.
0: (laughs) All right, now, I don't want to give... It wouldn't be fair for me to give clues now because of the people who already submitted, um, but I'm just going to break all... You know, uh, uh, I, I'm just going to do a taboo thing here and say brain is not one of the vocabulary words. There.
1: <laughs> yes, brain is both not one of the yeah. vocabulary words, nor do I think it's used in the show in 109. So uh, uh, so just... No. It's not much yeah. of a hint.
0: But, uh, you know... I don't want people writing it down, thinking, "Oh, I know a word, brain erection." That right. we're hoping to get that into the dictionary, but it's uh, not brain yet. Reaction, which yeah. is when uh, you know all of your energy uh, shoots into your brain for a particular function, and then afterwards you're just spent. That's yeah. what a brain your brain becomes is. excited um, by something. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, you know, and then you got nothing. Um, so future winner. We are looking forward to meeting you and your friends via Zoom. And if you don't have 100 friends, that's okay. But
1: you know what, Paula? While we're on the subject, we are going to be hosting a Zoom for 100 of our eventual contest winners' closest friends. But what about the other listeners? Where can they go to find that kind of unbridled joy?
0: Oh, I've got joy, Adam. Uh, for example, not to mention Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. That's a, that's a bucket of joy right there. But I've also launched a show called Nobody Asked You, starring Paula Poundstone. It's a little pup tent of a game show to help people get away from the cramped headspace of 2020. Each week, two contestants earn points for what they know about each other. You can find it on YouTube and our social networks, or join us around the old Facebook campfire. And to lift your cat's spirits, try my handcrafted pussy pillows, four-and-a-half-by-five-inch pillows stuffed with catnip, which I will autograph to the cat or cats of your choice. They're available at my store at paulapoundstone.com. Uh, wait a minute, Adam. We, we just got an emailed bid of $550 from Christine Cox. The woman who has made those amazing Perry Mason videos on our Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Facebook page. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I'm not supposed to play favorites, but I'm glad these historic gloves are not going to Mark Zuckerberg. Thank you, Christine. Yeah, thank you, Christine. So the gloves that we're auctioning off right now were back in John Carlos's room during his historic protest at the 1968 Olympics Keep in mind that in 1968, we were in the midst of the Vietnam War, the Vietnam War protests. We were in the wake of the assassinations of Martin Luther King and Robert F. Kennedy. And on television, we watched Chicago police beat demonstrators at the Democratic National Convention. Yet Carlos and his co-hero, Jimmy Smith, were not treated as heroes at the time. They carried a message that many Americans did not want to hear. They were booed. Suspended from the track team and vilified in the press. They even received death threats for their peaceful protest. Uh, so I want to thank Christine Cox for uh, bidding $550 on, uh, on these beautiful uh, and historic. Go- Wait a minute. Oh, my God. There's another bid. Uh, oh, wow. Wow. It's also from a nobody. George Ellsworth uh, is kicking the dust of triple-digit email bids off his shoes. He has bid $1,500 for these unused gloves of Olympian and civil rights activist John Carlos. Thank you, George Ellsworth. That's cool. Oh, you know, um, so I mentioned that the uh, the pussy pillows are available at my store at paulapoundstone.com. If you have not packed in enough Paula Poundstone, you can go to cameo.com slash paulap33 and I will deliver a video message to whoever you want. I'll tell your fiancé that postponing your wedding for safety will just make it sweeter. Or I'll tell Melania that you don't feel sorry for her because she's in it up to her elbows. That's cameo.com slash paulap33. And
1: uh, Paula, I have some exciting news. Uh, um, As you know, I've been doing that Starburn Sunday sports simulcast with my good friend Jeff Cesario, host of the Play With Pain Starburns podcast. yes you're familiar with that yeah it's been great it's been going really well we've had some great special guests like alonzo bowden and your friend peter Sagel. um we're continuing with that it's going to be every it's going to continue to be every sunday night for sunday night baseball you watch espn turn down your sound and you listen to us here's the important (laughs) announcement here's the important announcement we're going to be sportscasting this thing uh on sunday night uh uh, but from now on, we've got our own domain, Paula, so it's that much easier to find us. Turn on ESPN, which I like to call our sister network, though we don't they don't know we're doing this. And for your audio, just go to Starburnssports.com. That's right, you just go to Starburnsports.com on any device that you have, and you can hear Jeff and I calling the game live.
0: Oh, that sounds great. And thank you so much for joining in the Plug-Arama! Um, <laughs> <laughs> all plugs. Adam and Paula's plug a You know, and this is all in
1: anticipation in uh, October. First week of October, it'll be Paula and Adam's all plug show. So don't <laughs> miss that.
0: Oh my gosh, wait a minute. I can't believe it. We just got a $1,550 email bid for John Carlos's unused gloves from Dan Cassidy. Dan Cassidy. Do you know who this guy is? He, I do he, not. He left a review of our show that said we do the same jokes over and over. He said it's like deja vu, but less exciting. And this guy, Dan Cassidy, is bidding on track star and activist John Carlos's gloves. Well, it's obviously not to support our show. Mr. Cassidy obviously values this reminder of the courage of John Carlos and Jimmy Smith. So thank you so much, uh, Dan Cassidy. Uh that uh, thank you. I really I really appreciate it. And and uh um oh my gosh, right here right here in the midst of the plug a rama um,
2: Yeah. Well I yeah. think that's the
1: end of the plug rama Well no, no, I'm wrong. Look at this. You can find me and uh <laughs> if we want to hear from you, nobody's out there. And if you want to enter our theme song contest, which is Fun and you could make a theme song and win a prize, send us the sync show description or just drop us a line. Send it to us at nobody listens to poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, that's NobodyListens to poundstone at gmail.com. Take it away, plug in Paula.
0: Ah shit, Adam. What? Uh, we just we just got another Mark Zuckerberg bid. Uh, this one is for five thousand dollars. Well, that's it. That, that kind of blows the other bidders out of the water, really. Um, there are only a few more minutes, but my listeners are not rich. And Mark Zuckerberg has just moved the bidding to what is probably an unachievable level. So in all likelihood, these, these gloves that commemorate such an important part of civil rights uh, activism and history are on their way to live in a closet full of hoodies and flip-flops. Um oh, well, you know, Paula, the
1: the cause of social justice moves on whether it's wearing flip-flops and hoodies or or just walking down the street. So uh, congratulations to Mark Zuckerberg again. I guess he's yeah. gonna end up uh, with the big prize.
0: Yeah. All right, look at part of the plug rama You can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're all over the place. And check out our Facebook page at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. That's our show! Nobody
1: Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Thanks to our special guest, John Perrington. You were great, John. And to our mighty, mighty house band, Tim Crump. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Star Prince production by Land Romo. And thanks once again to our former intern, Doug. We didn't have time to talk about it, but there's lots of interesting developments in the case, Doug. You will be be avenged. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an
0: expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody wait a minute? I've just received an email (laughs) bid from Dan Cassidy. Another bid from Dan Cassidy, who hates our show. Tell me that's not exciting, Mr. Cassidy. With a $5,100 bid, you have outbid Mark Zuckerberg by $100 in the last second of the show. These gloves representing these courageous athletes who are finally being seen as the heroes that they are for risking it all to ask America to meet her promise are going to Dan Cassidy. Thank you so much, Dan Cassidy. Won't somebody please listen to me?
1: Wow, that was a down-to-the-wire auction.
0: Whoa. And from a guy that that, uh, was very critical of... Our show. Yeah, he said uh, that we just say the same jokes over and over again. And that what did he say? It's like deja vu, except not as exciting. Huh? Yeah,
1: you just said that a second time.
0: Had I already said that? Yeah. I guess yeah, earlier on the in show. Way, Sorry, Dan. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Dan has a point. Huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he does. Yeah. Like deja well, vu, you know, but not as well, interesting. huh?
0: If I were to cut myself in half again... I think I would anger Ed and Dan
1: Yeah, but then wouldn't you be in quarters?
0: No, I would just go right for it because I've been st- I've been stitched up Oh yeah
1: I well, you know you could you could always cut yourself in the other direction
0: Yeah no that wouldn't be no I, I, I'm good at it this one way. I know I can do it this one way the other way I might kill myself. Are you though?
4: Are you though? Star bands A pocket <clears throat> A podcast network.